Good evening, everyone. I'm Christine Bentley with Kate Wheeler, and you are listening to What She Said, brought to you by TD's Your Story, Your Future. So happy you could join us on this Canada Day, a very special one. Uh, It is a very special one. 150 years old, of course, the country, and also Peter Mansbridge's last night on the National. That's it. He's a done deal. Really? Yep. Last show. Well, it's a great night for him to go out. I mean, he's going to be doing... um, you know, specials and special reports. But yeah, he's off the national and there are big changes coming to the CBC News. Apparently, you know, rumor has it there's going to be three or four anchors, not just one. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, changes to television news, but there also have been huge changes in the music industry. And when you think about people who've been in the business for a long time, Kate, you think about fame and fortune, you know, all these rock stars that are piling in millions. But one well-known veteran is going to tell us how difficult uh, changes in the music business have been for many, many artists. Mm, yeah, that's, a, that, that's a story we, we are hearing a lot. Now, as open as the conversations have become about mental health and depression, getting help when you really need it is not always easy. We're going to talk to a young woman we first featured on our show more than a year ago about the growth in her online counseling platform. The company is called Trancool. Yeah. Movie critic Ann Brody is going to preview some new offerings for us, including Despicable Me, The Big Sick, and Beguiled. And I've all, you know, we've been seeing all kinds of little trailers, so it should be interesting. Oh, be still your cheating heart. I'm Ooh. talking about Beguiled. Ooh, not, I'm glad you're not talking about me because, you know, <laughs> that would be bad. Our travel expert, Candace Derricks, knows we all love our children, but once in a while, what wouldn't you give for an adult-only vacation? I am sure for many of us it's been so long we wouldn't know where to start, but no worries. She has done all the legwork. All you have to do is point and click. But before you step on that plane, you may want to listen in when we talk to TD's Mark Hardy about life insurance. Most people don't find that an exciting topic, but it's necessary. So this is kind of a guilt-free must. Okay, and to round out our evening, jazz vocalist and six-time Juno nominee Carol Wellsman will be joining us in our live studio sessions. And don't forget, we're also giving away two copies of True Family Wealth by Chris Clark. And you can find that on our contest page as well as 25% off Boomer Nutrition's Energy Protein Powder. I love that stuff. I know. I know. That's great. Yeah. I'm particularly partial to the chocolate. Yeah. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back after the break with an honest look at the music industry and what artists are now facing. This is what she said. Stay with us. We all know the music industry has changed drastically over the past number of years. The way we listen, what we pay, and for artists, the change is even more dramatic. Joining us this evening is a Canadian artist who has a long list of credentials. Miranda Mulholland, welcome to What She Said. Thank you so much for having me. Let's share with our audience some of your credentials because you are by no means a beginner in this business. Yeah, well, I guess I've... um I spent the last 17 years as a professional musician. So um, after studying music at Western and McGill, uh, I embarked into the crazy world of um, folk and indie music. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was in the band uh, The Mahones and uh, Luther Wright and the Wrongs. Um, I've played with Jim Cuddy and Alan Doyle. Um, Joel Plaskett. I was in Great Lakes Swimmers for seven years. Uh, and I have my own duo now called Harrow Fair, which is with uh, Andrew Penner, who was in Sun Parlor Players. So. Well, you've now become an advocate for artists and recently gave a pretty powerful speech to the Economic Club of Canada. You spoke about how difficult it is for artists to make a living. So most people don't grasp that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to see that from the responses of, of my speech. But um, And I'm really heartened that people uh, are, are caring enough to sort of look in depth as to uh, the, the nitty gritty of why that is. Um, the landscape changed so drastically around 1997-98 with the digital revolution. Um, and there were a lot of promises that were made then that with the advent of the internet, we were going to get this level playing field. So, you know, anybody could record an album and put it up online and get paid directly. Um, but what has happened is there's been uh, a giant uh, surge in middlemen. 
Uh, so there's been all these different platforms that come up in between the artist and the and the uh, fan, um, and sort of take advantage of that uh, new medium. And also, you know, algorithms change things so that there really isn't a fair platform. So what middleman are you talking about? Uh, well, any kind of distribution service. Spotify, um, Apple, Google, anybody. I mean, it was meant to make it easier. You could yeah. sit in your in your bedroom or your living room and you could play your guitar, you could mm-hmm. sing your song, it would go up on the internet, people would find it and buy it from you. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think, to give people an idea, I mean, to, to make... I mean, how much money do you make per play of, of, of for Spotify? Well, it really, I mean, it depends. Um, for Spotify, they have two versions of service. So one is a paid subscription that you ha- you have. Mm. It's about nine ninety nine a month, I think. And right. then there's also the ad-based service, which is free, and you listen to an ad every once in a while. Now, the difference is, um, so number one, you're paid on a market share. So if you're Drake and you're getting spun, you know, millions of, of streams, then you get a percentage of, of the artists who are being streamed that month. And you definitely have a bigger percent. So um, if you're in a more niche uh, in, um, genre, such as folk music, um, and even if, and if, if you're not on a playlist, or even if you are, I mean, my, for example, my band Harold Fair had a song on a playlist and had some pretty nice numbers of, of streams. I think, you know, 20,000 streams or something. And, and, uh, and that really actually only equals about 0.04 cents per stream for the um paid subscriptions, and 0.02 cents a stream for the non-paid subscriptions. Don't so, all rush to the bank. I know. So <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's really shocking. I think I looked at one month. I wish I had the numbers in front of me, but it was something like, you know, $17 for, you know, 7,000 streams or something. It's just, you know, we can go and okay, buy so, a couple coffees. So I, I subscribe to one of those services, mm. Apple Music, I think it is. Is mm. that good for me to buy the monthly service? Is Definitely. that good for artists for me to do that? I think I think if more people subscribe, the better, obviously. Um, that is definitely preferable. There is, there is a real uptick uh, in revenue when they are paid subscriptions. And in certain countries like Stockholm, uh, like Sweden, um, that does work because there are more people who are paying for this, for this subscription series. So that's really important. Um, things you can do, obviously, you can buy, you can buy albums, um, you can share. A great thing to do for, for artists is to, um, if you're on Spotify or Apple Music, like things, you can rate, you can rate music. So if you like a song, go and rate it or write a little um, review, which is free. And it actually helps the algorithms of that artist. Same with books too, like on Amazon, if you read a book and you really liked it and you wrote an Amazon review, that will help that author get to the top of the pile when people are just searching for you know, romance or mystery. So support your oh, yeah. your favorite artists in more ways than just listening to mm-hmm. them. And there's and it's free. I mean, there's so many ways to do it that that don't even ask you for your dollars. But part of what you said, if I'm not mistaken, in your speech was that those shop windows yeah. uh, don't bear any accountability and are making an undue profit. Yeah, uh, at at your expense. It's. I mean, I, I when I talk to all of my colleagues. Um, and it's and as I said, it's been really heartening to hear people come out and and tell me, you know, me too. I, I certainly feel this way. Uh, not only is it um, using our work to populate these shop windows without the accountability question, but it's just so exhausting to have to learn each platform because what what we're being asked to do is do all the advertising for each mm-hmm. of these platforms. I mean, we get these very detailed best practices sheets from these each different. Uh, service. Mm-hmm. So me as a as an artist, when I could be writing or playing music or recording or you know doing anything like that, I'm actually trying to learn how I can use the, my 17 years to take the people who followed my career and teach and teach them what to do to help me to actually at the end of the day help the platforms. So it's 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 a, it's sort of time poor as well. Yeah. Well, it's, it seems to me that something that was meant to make it certainly less expensive, but mm. easier, has in fact made it harder for individual artists. Yeah, it's definitely uh, exhausting. <laughs> Tell me about it. I just do this, we just do this social media promotion for us. And yeah. we're, not trying to, we're not actually trying to, you know, 
to, to, to get people to buy something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you're launching an inaugural music festival mm-hmm. in Gravenhurst next I month, am. and it has uh, a familial connection in a way. There's yeah. a story. Yeah. Uh, well, Gravenhurst is—it's um, my favorite place on earth. It's—it's it's such a beautiful little town, and my family has um, has land there uh, passed on from. It's about 100. And I think we have had it for 105 years in the family because my great great grandfather was the mayor of the town, and he was also the owner of this big sawmill, um, which is why Gravenhurst was nicknamed Sawdust City. Uh, and when he was the mayor, he had such such a belief in the arts, and, you know, what a testament, but he, he built this beautiful opera house on the main street. So what I decided to do was... Um, Obviously, because everyone's telling live musicians to play to make money, you know. But uh, go on tour, can't do another tour. Exactly. So I put on a festival uh, in Gravenhurst using a lot of their beautiful organic venues, like the Opera House, you know, which I feel very close to. Obviously, from my great great grandfather having that built. Um, And then there's also a beautiful barge in the middle of the water in the main uh, Rotary Park there, uh, which they have had a tradition of 45 years of free Sunday concerts. So we're taking over the programming of this Sunday, uh, August 6th. And um, yeah, so the whole, and then there's also a a brewery in town called Sada City Brewery, um, which is uh, obviously named for the same nickname. And uh, they've been great. So they've got a saloon and we're using that venue as well. And who's going to be playing? Well, you know, the good thing about being in the music industry for 17 years is you you get quite a good Rolodex. Yeah, (laughs) I bet you do. So I called in a couple favors, obviously. um, You know, obviously we're paying everybody really well, but... um, but uh, my friend Jim Cuddy is playing. He's our headliner on the Saturday night in the Opera House, which will be great. Uh, Julian Taylor Band is playing on the Sunday. He's phenomenal. Jessica Mitchell as well. Um, my favorite band is called NQR Buckle, and they're playing on Friday night. Uh, we've got a lot of local bands playing as well. And um, so both local and nationally touring bands. It's going to be a great mix. So where can people get tickets? And when? Oh, it's, it's uh, August the 4th. Yeah, this is August long weekend. Yes. Yeah. So okay. it's the 4th to the 6th, and it's going to be happening all over the town, not only our main events, but we also have a sort of stripped-down series that's happening um, and some different restaurants and the Discovery Center by the Wharf. And so it's going to be taking over the town August 4th to 6th. It's going to be Miranda's weekend in Gravenhurst. It's going to be so fun. <laughs> so all where my can best people friends. get tickets? Um, at www.sadacitymusicfestival.com. And we have all of our uh, ticket sales. The main ticket, obviously, is the is the Saturday night with Jim Cuddy. Tickets are fifty two dollars plus tax, um, and everything else is free or ten dollars. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. And, and as far as supporting musicians, one quick thing we should all do, or you'd like to see us all do. Um, well, uh, go to see live music. Pay for live music. Get out and support your your artists and buy CDs from them from the stage. That's how artists make the most money off of their their work. Thank you so much for joining us this evening and sharing this with us and our listeners. Thank you so much for having me. This is what she said. Stay with us. Joining us now is the co-founder of a platform that makes getting help just a little bit easier. It's called Tranquil. Welcome back, Shakame Shafi, to what she said. You were here about a year ago when this just started. Yes, thank you very much for having me. So let's explain to our listeners. Tranquil is an online counseling platform that allows users to speak with licensed psychologists via secure video calls And tell us about some of the biggest things you learned over the past year. It's been a hell of a year. <laughs> uh, we've Is learned- that a good, a, good, a good hell or a bad hell? An amazing one. Oh, okay. <laughs> In terms of our learnings, um, we've grown um, and had to like, you know, digest how much um, our users are using it, where they're coming from, and what kind of behaviors they've had. So we've improved it significantly since I was here before. Anything that surprised you? Um, there's a lot of things that surprised me, but one of the the major ones was the fact that um, the age group that we designed this platform for is different different from the age group that's actually using it. Really? How so? So we started by building it for like 18 to 20, you know, early 20s year olds, like for mm-hmm. university students. And now our average age is um, around like 32 to 35. Really? 
Um, and, and obviously without divulging things, what are, are some of the things that they are the most common things that they, they need to be talking about? The top three things mm-hmm. are stress and anxiety and mm-hmm. uh, depression. And then after that, it's self-esteem. Really? Yeah. It's interesting that that uh, that it would take sort of 10 years longer for that to ex- to sort of express itself. Uh, yeah, so it's a really interesting behavior that um, as, as people uh, were starting to develop. So the university age group is actually more anxious than we've ever been. So we, as a population, we're more anxious than we've ever been. Mm. But um, it takes us some time to gain the help-seeking behavior that is required to go through therapy. So mm. then what are the factors that are impacting the university students' mental health? So um, the reason we're more anxious than we've Mm -hmm. ever been before is a couple of reasons. One of them is social media and that instant gratification that comes with waiting for responses. We've started to grow into a group of like people or a population that needs instant gratification. We need to send something, make sure that it's seen and we get a response right away. And then we have different personalities on different outlets of social media. So I have a a version of me on Instagram. I have a version of me at work and I have a version of me at home. And those different personas are creating this void within us that's causing us to be very anxious. So here we are, much older than university students, thinking that you would be stressing about getting a job or stressing about the planet, uh, you know, going to hell. (laughs) But... You're, you're stressing about getting, getting a response on social media. Yeah. And that has to do, I guess, with self-esteem. That's, so self-esteem is, you know, the lack of self-esteem comes from looking at, you know, people that we used to look up to. Um, there, there's, there's two ways of looking at it. The people we used to look up to were very real or a little bit more real before. And now our influencers are, you know, young people traveling the world. Um, a lot of times people don't know that those people do have really hard lives. But what they see is only that nice picture of them on Instagram. But- People must surely realize that, or they must be getting to realize that more, that this is all just a facade. Not only are they not, we're all in denial. Even if I sit here and say, oh, I know that's not real. There was a really nice quote that someone actually put on ESPN, and they said, you know, when you take up, pick up a magazine, which used to be the case, you know this is a magazine. You know this is a photo shoot. When mm. you scroll down Instagram, you don't know that this was a photo shoot. You don't realize that there's filters. You think this is real life, and it actually is not. Well, it is. I even at my age, I must say, looking at Instagram and seeing uh, people who are the perfect weight, uh, have gorgeous clothes, always look perfect, have perfect lives, and I think I'm a loser. Well, I think that's a that's a that's one of the issues that's coming up a lot. That's creating a lot of problems. Instagram specifically is really causing a lot of uh, young people to have issues to to sort of compare themselves to an unrealistic. Yep, compare themselves and at the same time try to put on that face that's not really them and that's the void that's creating the issue. Mm-hmm. So how does a psychologist help with that if it's a whole generational movement? So well, the psychologist or a therapist will help walk you through the, the fundamentals of like why is it that you have so like low self-esteem and how can you overcome it without having to put on a different face and be a different person. And with anxiety specifically or low self like depression, um, there's techniques. And that's a kind of great thing about cognitive behavioral therapy is that it's short term. You know? So I have a stupid question, and that is I don't understand why this generation is suffering from so low self-esteem because on the other hand we're being told that us as parents we've indulged our children everybody passes everybody gets a a participation ribbon everybody everybody (laughs) you know you wouldn't fail anybody because lord I mean you know you wouldn't want them to feel bad so then we're finding out from you that they have this low self-esteem um, so that has a whole, that's like a whole different conversation that we can get into. Um, but it's not always the, the case that, you know, yes, there are some parents who are nurturing their kids. Yes, there's that participation um, factor that comes in. But actually, when kids go into the real world and they get hit, they get hit harder than they would if they had been faced with reality growing up. So let's talk about the platform itself, because this is um, it's a confidential way. So, I mean, this we spent so much time trying to remove the stigma of getting help for mental health issues. Um, But you're saying you've seen an incredible growth in this platform. Um, So what's your message to people who are scared to reach out? 
There is nothing to lose. There are people just like them who have tried it and they're going to be so surprised as of the effects of just talking to someone who is a professional and who's not their friends is not going to judge them. And it's private and secure. People worried about that. We went went through this the last time. Now, how much is a session? How long are they? How do you have to book? Give us sort of a yeah, so um, so you sign up for free. So you go to tranquil.com and you sign up for free. Um, you get matched with therapists. If you want to see a social worker, it's $80 per session. Uh, it's like a 50-minute session. Mm-hmm. Or $120 with a psychologist. And compared to in person with the same type of therapist or the same person, it's half the price. And it's still covered by insurance, which means university students and people who have work, extended health benefits from work um, can actually use it to get reimbursed. Well, it actually does probably encourage people to get help because lots of people can't find an appointment in the middle mm-hmm. of the day at 2.30. What are the hours? Any hour. 7 a.m. you can find a, ther- a psychologist or a social worker to speak with. 9 p.m. time. So moms usually go after they put their kids to bed. We actually get quotes from them being like, oh, I just put my kids to bed. This is perfect. Or weekends are also a really busy time on our platform. So how do they communicate? Is it through Skype or? We have our own uh, video platform that's encrypted. So it's mm-hmm. uh, it's compliant with, you know, privacy policies and Health Information Act. So it means that other than you and your therapist, no one actually can enter that video and the video is not recorded. So where can people download the app and learn more? There's actually no app. It's just a website. So oh, okay. T-R-A-N-Q-O-L.com. <laughs> Trancool.com. Okay, so are there now you said because are you making changes to the platform because of what's happened over the last year? Yeah, so we, we've had some major updates that are coming out actually this month. Um, a complete rebrand of the platform, as well as really understanding that we started this company. So last year when I was here, I said Trancool, which is therapy from the comfort of home. Mm-hmm. Now we see that people are having sessions from boardrooms in the office because they can't leave work or the campuses or um, in the hotel rooms when they travel. So we've rebranded it in a way that it's more um, of an extension of everywhere that you are and also um, added some outcome measurements because family doctors and hospitals send people to us now and they like to get a report back of people getting better and being, but allowing people to scientifically um, actually track their outcome. Okay, so if you're if you are tracking it that way, then how can I be assured that it's is it kind of covered by the medical profession's ethics? The the assessments have yes. been designed by yeah, so they they're designed by psychiatrists and our advisor who is a psychiatrist. That's a, and it's covered by benefits. I mean, there there seems to be no loss. It's private. You don't have to. You can do it day night anytime. Um, and this all came out of. Um, OCAD's Imagination Catalyst, right? Well, no, it came out of my personal experience with therapy. We're, we're based out of Imagination Catalyst, which right. is an incubator. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just came out of my personal experience with therapy and how life-changing it was for me. Well, it's, it's, you've done so well. We're so, we're so impressed. And I mean, with 6.7 million Canadians living with a mental health problem, costing the Canadian economy, what, $50 billion a year? is a service that's apparently needed. It's definitely needed. Well, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thanks for having me. And for what you're doing. Thank you. This is what she said. Stay with us. Saturday night and the moon is Who cares what picture you see And Anne Brody joins us now because it is Saturday night at the movies and I want to know about Despicable Me. Not me, the name of the movie. <laughs> Is what I meant. I was going to say. <laughs> I am despicable, but, you know. Hardly. Okay. <laughs> this is the third outing. And you know, do you know the franchise? I do. And the little voices? To yes. me, that makes it worth going to. The little, <laughs> it sounds like children being tickled to me. And it's it's the community in which the, the stories take place. And the stories are really simple. There's always villains and good guys in the balance of power changes and whatnot, but there's all these little, <laughs> and you, you, they don't say words, but you know exactly what they're saying, which so, is, you know, a tribute to the filmmakers. So yeah. who's in this this round? Oh my God, Steve Carell. I mean, it's the same people. And uh, Russell, Russell Brand, what has he been up to lately? Haven't heard him in a while. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just fun for all. Despicable I, Me 3. I've never seen one. So oh, you are is missing. this for grownups? Yeah, oh, definitely. Okay. All right. Definitely. <laughs> okay. How about the big sick? It's fun. Now, th- I would say if there was a demographic for this, it's definitely millennials. It's, an, it's a new kind of, um, I mean, it doesn't rebuild the rom-com, but it, it, 
it's really honest, and there's no sugar, no cloying, no cliches. It's about um, a Pakistani-American um, stand-up comedian who, it's his, his true story, how he meets his wife, who's white, and all the struggles that they had to go through with his family being really rigidly uh, traditional. And uh, they're working it out, and she becomes ill with this really rare disease and goes into a coma. So while she's recovering, he and her parents get together, and they finally make it work. And her parents are Holly Hunter and Ray Romano. Oh, my God. It, I haven't seen so either funny. of them for a a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. It has been. And um, I would think that this is a fresh take on rom-coms. It's so funny. It <laughs> sounds sad, but it's just lovely. Ugh, the next one doesn't sound funny at the all. The Beguiled? Ugh. I just mentioned it to to a man. He said, oh, I have no interest in seeing that. Now, this is about... This <laughs> well, I don't wonder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's actually a remake of the Clint Eastwood film from the 70s and based on a novel. But it's Nicole Kidman who runs a girls' school in Virginia during the war, in the Confederate girls' school. And uh, they come across a wounded soldier out in the woods, played by Colin Farrell. They bring him in. All these little girls who've, who've been raised so repressively, and they wear these tight clothes in this hot, humid weather. And... Uh, Collins, you know, he's good looking, he's charming. They all fall in love with him. And the the tensions and the sexual jealousy grows and literally every girl throws himself herself at him. Hmm. And he uh the one he's promised to run away with finds him in a compromising situation. And uh all hell breaks loose. You like it? Love it. I actually can't wait to see it again. It's Sophia Coppola, she shot it on film. It's so beautiful. And so funny. Kate Blanchett is playing 13 roles and is the only character to speak in Manifesto. You got it. And she's wow. reading one long, it sounds like a poem. It's just a collection of artists' uh, manifestos. So it's, it really drones on. I was going to say, it doesn't sound like I'm taking the hubby to see this one. Oh, your husband would be very not pleased. <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the characters that she plays are incredible. She plays this, like, insane homeless man screeching at the world and a woman reading a, a blistering obituary at a funeral. She plays new, a news anchor and a news reporter. Uh-huh. Very interesting stuff. On paper. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how about David Bowie? Always interesting. Kate, this is your your area. This new documentary, it's a sequel to uh, David Bowie, Five Years. Mm -hmm. It's now five years. um, What is it? Five years? The last five years. The last five years. So, yeah. So it looks at him finding that he has cancer and becoming really nostalgic about the past and sort of obsessing about his life in Berlin in the 70s mm-hmm. and knowing that it's going to come to an end for him soon. And so he creates Black Star and the play Lazarus, all based on his 70s characters. Mm-hmm. And you see how his music, having been so dramatic, almost melodramatic, almost like cries for help as they're, as they're reinterpreted. It really changed my view of David Bowie. Kate, I can't wait for you to see it and tell me what you think about it. I, I will watch. Yeah. Is, it, is it up there now? No. Yeah. It's up uh, there? No, Sunday. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So tomorrow. tomorrow night. All right. Um, Acorn's Janet King launches its third season. Yeah. I've talked to you about Janet yep. uh, King before on her other seasons. She has one of the most compelling female characters on television, let alone Australia. She's incredible. She's a prosecutor for the it. Crime Commission. I can loan you some. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good okay. For <laughs> Why we have you in. Uh, <laughs> so this time, the, the entire season is, is based on one case, and it's corruption in, in, sporting, in the sporting world. So it's about athletes who throw games for money and all the uh, international organized crime and stuff. So, you know, it's very good. She is incredible. Well, thanks, Anne. And we'll see you next week. See you next week. Come fly with me. Let's fly. Let's fly away. Well, joining us now is our travel expert, Candace Derricks, who is going to fly us away. Uh, Adults only style, Candace. Adults only. Uh, School is out. And who is happier than the kids about that? 
the teachers. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm thinking maybe a few of them are looking for some child-free vacations. They'd like to go away without kids splashing in the pool with them. Uh, so I thought we'd share a, a few great resorts that teachers and, you know, other adults seeking uh, child-free time would like to check out. Because okay. right now, Sunwing has... Um, uh, the resorts that I'm going to talk about and many, many more at some great discounted prices on their website, so on sunwing.ca. So uh, in the Dominican Republican, uh, Dominican Republican, Dominican Republic, uh, vacationers will want to check out the adults-only Viva Wyndham V Heavens. Um, the Dominican Republic, I don't know if you've ever been there, mm-hmm. but has some of the best beaches in mm-hmm. the world. And the Viva Wyndham is no exception. It's, it's mm-hmm. on a beautiful stretch of beach. But what I really love about this resort is the Viva Fit program, uh, which will appeal to... Try, hang on a second. You just may have ruined my vacation. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to exercise but, Believe it or fit? not, lots of people actually <laughs> I know, seek I know. these out. I know, I know. <laughs> it's, it's not for everybody, but some will love the Viva Fit. And so what it includes is uh, aqua fitness and yoga, um, introductory scuba lessons, uh, team sports, so volleyball, beach soccer, windsurfing, uh, kite surfing introductory lesson, and also fit meal options so you can leave your stretchy pants at home. You don't have to expand. Okay, i got to admit, that does sound pretty good. And you do AquaFit. I am. I do yoga, I, I so it's all it's good. Fun. Yeah. yeah. And then you get a 10% discount as well on the spa, which is, you know, after yeah. you've worked out hard, of course. you spa time. And there's yeah. wine at the spa, hopefully. <laughs> well, right. I, would, I would think so. <laughs> okay. uh, the next one is uh, Couples Swept Away in Negril, Jamaica. This is a personal favorite of mine. Uh, we went many years ago, and... We always sort of held it in high regard. And when we returned, we thought, oh, are we going to be disappointed because it's been so long? And it blew our expectations away the next time. So um, it sits on one of the best beaches in the world, in a grill seven-mile beach. Uh, The service, the food, the atmosphere is always stellar. Uh, But the reason I really love this, and I'm one of these people that seek these fitness clubs out, it has a 10-acre sport and fitness center. So it has squash and racquetball courts, a yoga studio, a lap pool, and a gym. And they're known for their exceptional tennis program. Uh, so they have 10 courts and complimentary daily private lessons. Amazing. You can take advantage of when Yeah, so it's, Amazing. it's great. And it's, it really makes you get out and have fun and you improve your game while you're there. And they also have golf and scuba diving lessons included. So it's mm. all in your price. So if you, you really don't have to leave the resort. You've paid your price and then take advantage of I've never of been to there. Jamaica. Oh, oh, you're missing out. Apparently. Yes, I love Jamaica. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, the next place I would say um, are the Rio Palace, all of the Rio Palace hotels, but one in particular right now, the Las Americas in Cancun, Mexico. Um, so I honeymooned at the Rio Palace in Punta Cana, mm-hmm. and it's a very romantic place, the Rio Palaces. Uh, but the Rio Palace in Cancun is sort of the ultimate indulgence escape for adults. Uh, they have three beautiful pools, and one of them have a, um, a hydro massage area that you can dip into for a little massage in the nice. water. And uh, guests can take advantage of the 24-hour-a-day room service or dine in any of the seven gourmet restaurants on site. Mm-hmm. 24 hours a day. So, when so yeah, I wake pack up- your stretchy pants for this one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <good. laughs> yeah. Okay. You might, you might overindulge a little bit. I don't know. Uh, and then Royalton Luxury Resorts. Um, these resorts are available exclusively through Sunwing. And uh, so Royalton and Chic Resorts um, offer all-in luxury, world-class features, including luxury accommodations, unlimited dining, round-the-clock concierge, uh, daily activities and nightly entertainment that cater to couples in, in an elegant beachfront setting. Uh, so you can find all of the Royalton and Chic properties on sunwing.ca if you're looking for um, the ultimate child-free getaway. And of course, uh, I realize that not everybody can get away without their kids. Even teachers have kids. <laughs> so uh, Sunwing has a lot of uh, great uh, resorts right now. Their smile resorts are always kids stay, play, and eat free. Wow. Yeah. So go to sunwing.ca and find this Smile Resorts, and there's an entire list of them. And uh, you can find the one that's right for you in, in lots of warm, nice destinations. Awesome. Yeah, and last-minute pricing, too. So where are you heading to next? Uh, next, I'm actually heading to Holland. Oh, oh, nice. Yes. So I will be back um, in August with some fun things to share from, from, about Holland. All right. Now, if people want to connect with you online, tell them where they can find your blog. They can find me at lifeinpleasantville.com and for all of the properties I mentioned today, sunwing.ca. 
Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, bon voyage. Thank you. (laughs) And we'll chat with you uh, a little later in in a, a number of weeks. Yes. This is what she said. Stay with us. Joining us now for TD's Your Story, Your Future is Mark Hardy. Welcome to What She Said, Mark. Thank you very much for having me today. Um, We are talking about insurance, and I understand TD uh, recently did a survey that delved into millennials and their views on life insurance. So tell us about the survey and the findings. We were uh, interested in learning about the perspective of millennials about life insurance and sort of what their thoughts are around that and whether they even consider it. And this survey highlighted uh, two significant themes out of that, which was, one, millennials aren't thinking about life insurance. And even for those who do, it's low on their list of financial priorities. In fact, it's dead last when it comes to things financially that they're thinking about. Well, that would be sort of adulting, isn't it? Uh, what they call it, that would be... <laughs> that absolutely. Yes, yeah, so the, the ultimate in financial adulting is sort of thinking about your life insurance and making sure that you've taken the time out to put that uh, safety net and protection in place. So uh, is that different from, let's say, 10, 20, 30 years ago? for young people not to really think about life insurance? What we find people start to think about life insurance is when they get married and start to have children. So maybe, you know, with millennials doing that a little later, maybe that's coming Mm -hmm. along a little later. Uh, Other things, uh, definitely with the differences in in priorities now around, we saw the number one priority from this survey being paying down debt or saving for a home. So home ownership is obviously high Mm -hmm. on that list and, and is more expensive today than it was 10 or 20 years ago. So certainly that's having an influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have seen over the years sort of a declining rate of, of people thinking about life insurance and making sure they have that protection in place. And so we're trying to take sort of a proactive piece to get out and give some education there so that people are making an informed decision around that, that topic. Now, uh, I, I'm not sure because I haven't read the survey, but did they give a reason why it's dead last on their list? Uh, not, a, not a specific reason why, right. but definitely you know, just top of mind were those other categories because they're more frequent, right? So those right. everyday things around saving for home and paying down, uh, paying down debt. Um, I, I think what you would also see from the survey was there just isn't a great understanding of what life insurance is there for amongst this group. So what's the purpose of it and how does it work? So what we saw was uh, most thought life insurance was predominantly to cover one-time costs such as a funeral. So where really? Yes, about 68% of millennials thought, thought that it was that. That was the, the purpose of life insurance. Whereas, especially when you're younger, you would look at that as things about protecting your family if the worst were to happen to make sure that you've covered the day-to-day expenses, things like mortgage payments, lost income, covering off student loans, saving for children's education, and sort of having that safety net in place for that. That's so odd because, I, Kate, I don't know about you, but when we were that age, we, we certainly knew what life insurance covered, and it wasn't funerals. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I I was always a little bit nervous about life in, insurance, and I, you know, it's like, does this mean like I'm not I'm not tell us exactly what life insurance does cover, what it can cover. So, thanks. so I think the the important part is to understand what your financial obligations are, and then life insurance is is meant to protect that. So things like if if you're younger, you your spouse. Uh, may or may not work, but, it, you know, you've, you've worked together to build a, a nest egg, whether you bought a house, and so you need to make sure that you have money in place if, you, if the worst were to happen to cover those expenses for a period of time so your family can adjust. Uh, it would be things, you know, whether it's covering your mortgage expenses, making sure that your income's still there because you've put a, a plan for your life together and you have those expenses. If you have small children and saving for their education, um, also, when you have small children, you may need to get uh, extra support outside of your family. So you need uh, you know, those daycare expenses, extra child care expenses. All those types of things are things that we would take into consideration when we look through your needs. Uh, and we've actually put together some, some tools to help people do the, their own discovery around that to make sure that they understand, you know, here's the different things that you want to consider about life insurance and why they might be important so that, you know, I have an opportunity to learn and make a, a, an informed decision as opposed to just not thinking about it. Right. But even in the family of life insurance, there is term, and then there's whole life, and they are really mm-hmm. completely different, and completely different costs, too. Absolutely, and, and, so, and different priorities for different uh, people around us. So whole life will provide things like cash values and other things. Um, uh, you know, making sure that you have that 
uh, base protection in place. So I would always say if you're, if you're younger, what you're trying to do is get the most amount of coverage for the least amount of dollars because you don't have a big budget with extra room in it. Mm-hmm. And so term insurance is the one that gives you that most amount of coverage with right. that least amount of cost. Right. And so you make sure, especially when you're younger, so you've, you've already got a mortgage, probably a car loan, you're paying off student debt. Do you really have that extra room to do some more savings or is it better to do that in other places and can, then make sure you have the maximum protection in place? Should everybody have life insurance? Uh, it's, not, it's definitely not for everyone, especially in this age group. If you don't have dependents, you may not need it. So, you, you know, considerations you might want to have if you don't have dependents or a spouse would be, you know, do you, are, are you comfortable leaving funeral expenses to your, your family or friends? Um, but we would see lots of people in that category say, you know what, I've got enough other assets to cover that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would definitely say it's not for everyone. I think everyone should be making an informed decision about it. Mm-hmm. And so they should understand what it's for what their obligations are and, and what they want to or don't want to cover for that. And mm-hmm. there's no problem saying at the end of the day, I've made the decision that it's not for me and it's not because of my circumstances, I don't have those dependents. Mm-hmm. But, but what I don't think is okay is just not thinking about it. Yeah. Well, I, I know that I, I thought about it and I got whole life, but it also has an annuity. So I can draw an income from that if, for example, um, I was concerned about whether CPP would even be around mm-hmm when I got to the point where I might need it, right? Right, right. So all sorts of different, and I mean, it's very important to make sure that, you know, you're doing your financial plan. If you're lucky enough to have a financial planner, they can bring all of these things to the table as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but then making sure that you've got some the information yourself as well. So what advice or tips do you have for any listeners about how they can go about finding out whether they have the right life insurance fit for their needs or whether they should get some um, and, and what information should they go into the bank with? So definitely we have a tool that's available that gives you that information around making sure that you can find out what coverage you need. We call it our right fit assessment tool. And so you can find that at tdinsurance.com forward slash right fit. I, I would say the other things you want to make sure that you have a good sense of is, is it's not as expensive as you think. You can uh, generally get uh, good, decent coverage for the price of a, whether a cup of coffee or maybe, maybe a less expensive coffee, not a latte a day. Um, and that it's, uh, you know, we saw in our survey that a number of millennials are concerned about qualifying for life insurance. And at that young age, you're generally in very good health and, and shouldn't be as worried about qualifying or okay. being Let, medically eligible. Let's talk about the other end, because um, my husband recently turned 60, and it really wasn't worth having the life insurance anymore because it increased so much, the cost. So were you referring to like a, he had a term policy yeah. that renewed at a higher cost? Right. That, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's what you will see. So I think what you would see is, is when you're younger and have the most obligations is when you need the most coverage. And right. over time, the, need, the amount that you need goes down and to the point where it may, not, uh, it may not be any or you may just want to cover some fixed expenses or try to do some estate uh, planning. But again, that's part of your discussion that you want to make sure you have with your financial planner. Is there anyone who, who shouldn't get life insurance? Are there any situations where you would say, really, you shouldn't? Uh, yeah, I mean, again, when you don't have dependents and you have no obligations and you have assets that are there to pay for things, I, I, I think that's a situation where you probably, you don't need it. But always want to make sure that people are taking the time out to understand, is, is that actually their personal circumstance? Which, what is the difference between term and whole life while we've got you here? Because explain that to me. Yeah, so, so a, a term insurance policy provides you a certain amount of coverage at a fixed price for a term. So you would see things like term 10 or term 20. Right. And what they do is for the 10 years, you pay one fixed premium. And that's generally, well, it would almost always be lower than a whole life policy, which you pay one fixed premium over the lifetime. The other difference with a whole life is a whole life will have, uh, generally comes with a cash value or a, a dividend account where there's additional accumulation of uh, sort of an investment in the background that you can uh, draw down later or then you may incur some tax or you can, uh, it adds to the value of your insurance in the future. I was always a little nervous when I found out my employer took out a life insurance policy on me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, but we were reporters then. And and Lord knows, I mean, if we had been injured uh, at the site of a story, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I still had my own just in case. <laughs> anyway, Mark, uh, where can people find you or more information from TD on this subject? Uh, so I would go to tdinsurance.com. We have lots of great information there about life insurance, including our Right Fit calculator, where you can uh, do a personal assessment of your financial needs and obligations. 
and then you can make an appointment to come in and see somebody? You can make an appointment or call right there. Perfect. Uh, you even have the option to apply online. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. I appreciate the time today. Thank you. This is what she said. Stay with us. Have you anything to say to me? Won't you tell me where my life... That beautiful song is called Skylark. Joining us tonight in our live studio sessions is jazz vocalist and six-time Juno nominee, Carol Wellsman. Welcome to What She Said. Thank you. Now, you released your 11th album last year called Alone Together, which showcased your piano playing and beautiful, warm voice. So tell us, how did the piano stumble upon you? <laughs> well, we I was born into a very musical family, and uh, I have three brothers, and we all studied classical piano as children because my mother, who used to teach piano, was adamant about us having a classical piano background. So it really started there, and then, of course, it developed into listening to the radio and picking things up by ear and, and uh, playing songs that I really wanted to play, which were more jazz and pop and stuff like that. Now, you've also overcome a lot. At one point, you had three polyps on your vocal cords? I did. I did. Did you have to have surgery? I never had surgery. I spoke with Maureen Forrester, mm-hmm. our wonderful Canadian opera singer, and she uh, strongly advised me to get second and third opinions about this. And uh, I was very fortunate to be able to actually work through this. It took about 15 years in total because I was singing professionally and singing sometimes six nights a week on tour and uh, but I overcame them completely I went back to the same ear nose and throat doctor and he said I would never know you had polyps did you have to do uh, the silent treatment I oh know. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, the, the funny thing was, I was actually in Paris studying with Michelle Legrand's sister, and uh, they told me that I shouldn't go to any smoky bars. Well, I don't know if you have been there, but there's, are smokes. there any that? Uh, yeah, everyone <laughs> smokes everywhere. <laughs> so I, I cooked at home for six months. <laughs> now you live in uh, the Hollywood Hills with your husband, but uh, and you say you you sort of fell in love with the LA lifestyle uh, <laughs> after going back and forth a lot. Would you recommend this for young artists starting out? Mm, starting out, I don't think so, because I, I was fairly far, far along in my career when I moved down there, which was in, in 2001, I guess. Um, but I, I'm back and forth to Canada all the time. But it's, I, I don't think it's a great place to cut your teeth, because it's really more of a, of a movie town. Um, I find that building followings in, in L.A. Mm. is more difficult. You know, uh, there's just not a huge scene for jazz and pop like there is in New York and Toronto and yeah, and there's no real sort of center. There's, I mean, you, there's no sort of like place to go. I mean, bars are and jazz bars and jazz clubs are here and there and everywhere. But there, yeah, you're right. There's no there's no core. I lived in LA for for a while, so uh-huh. I understand that. Um, so your first album, "Lucky to Be Me," released a year after you were you got your vocal health back in 1994. Oh yes, and. Six Junos we mentioned are out of ten albums. That's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very impressive. (laughs) I'm pretty proud of that. Believe me, it's it's helped me along my way for sure. That's it's quite an honor. So, well, we're very happy that you you joined us today, and that is our show for tonight. So, happy Canada Day night, everyone. We will be back tomorrow night at ten on the Jewel. Please follow us at What She Said Talk. But right now, here's Carol Wellsman performing I Like Men. Maybe he has sandy hair Maybe his eyes are brown or blue Maybe he has a fault or two I like men And maybe he has a gentle way Maybe he'll make me feel so frail Well, that's my favorite kind of male I like men I like the masculine, I like the mind And I like any other kind that I can find For the way that I feel, it's not hard to decide I'll take southern hospitality or northern pride And maybe he's a millionaire Maybe he's poor, I just don't care 
why he can even lose his hair. I like men. I like the masculine, I like the mind, and I like any other kind that I can find. For the way that I feel, it's not hard to decide. I'll take Southern hospitality or Northern pride, and maybe he's a millionaire, or maybe he's poor. I just don't care why he can even lose his hair. I like men. They can be big. They can be small. They can be short. They can be tall. Well, bless them. Bless them all. I like. I like. I said I like. I like men. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100% because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.